All right, it's been too long. Eric Alcantara here. Well, not here, I guess, per se. I'm in my Indiana home while Emmett has traveled back to uh, Pennsylvania, where he's actually originally from. People who say long distance relationships are tough have clearly never done a long distance podcast. Because it's quite easy. Is that, uh, where we're is that where we're going with this? I don't. I I don't think anything about this is easy. Well, it's happening. Maybe, maybe that's just me. I mean, I'm recording on Audacity my audio, and then you're recording your audio on Audacity. You're going to send me that audio, and I'm going to put it together and oh. make it seem like we're having a seamless conversation. We're in the see. It's a big trick. We're all actually in the same room. No one actually wants to hear how the sausage is made. What they really come here for is American soccer. Yes, it's true. Uh, if our over a thousand unique listeners now have listened to this podcast, I, that doesn't mean one thousand individual people have listened. It means that at least at a certain point, someone has listened to an episode of this podcast a thousand times. I don't. It's one don't, person. It it could it's very literally, well be one person. It's per- literally just me. It could be just us. I have no idea how any of that works, but yeah. So thank you for that. I. I think that's an accomplishment, right? I mean, that's not bad. If you have any questions, feel free to seek me or Eric out on the internet. It's not that hard it's to true. find people. It's true, and we will we will totally shout you out. So anyway, to not make up for any lost time here, uh, thanks to moving back from Los Angeles and Emmett becoming technically homeless, is that fair to say? Yeah, at least for the next few months. <laughs> so basically, do you want to tell them where you're going? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to South Africa to report on uh, the PSL, which is the league down there in Johannesburg. So that's the Orlando Pirates, Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, All your favorite FIFA teams. Not that Orlando. Um, but yeah, so uh, I will be off doing non-American soccer, which breaks my heart. Uh, but hopefully we'll be uh, continuing this even further long distance. <laughs> now that will be something uh we we will see how that goes but yeah and i want to pose a question to you now that you've been you know reading up on your south african stuff who would win a game right now the orlando pirates or orlando city the game's being played on a battleship in the middle of the atlantic let's just call it you know midway between the two midway airport is what we'll name it yeah um i don't know i think the mls has come a long way I would say maybe five years ago you'd give it to Orlando Pirates, but now Orlando City, as bad as they are, uh, they deserve a good shout. All right. So they haven't quite hit rock bottom. So, like I said, rather than play catch-up, or at least try to play catch-up, we're just going to we're gonna give our thoughts where everybody stands right now because I, it's, I know the playoffs don't start until November, and we're still sitting at the end of August, but they're coming. It's, it's coming faster than you think because there's some teams now with only like seven games left. So it's definitely coming, and we have some interesting playoff races to talk about. So you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. All right, so we're going to start at the bottom of the East, and we're just going to kind of work our way up, talk about everyone's playoff chances. And we're beginning with – we're actually beginning with Orlando after last night's result because I was going to start with the fire, but they actually drew last night. So they actually have jumped ahead of Orlando City now sitting in the basement of the Eastern Conference. However, it's kind of misleading because Chicago has now played 27 matches and Orlando's only played 24. So they're 10 points out of a playoff spot, Orlando are, and they've won one game in MLS since May 6th when they beat Real Salt Lake. To say they're done, I think, is an understatement because every team they're facing from this point on is either a current playoff side or good enough to where I can't expect a victory going in. There's really no easy... MLS games 
especially if you are the easy MLS game. It's kind of like that if you're at a poker table and you look around, if you can't spot the chump, it means you are the chump. Orlando, right now you are the chump, unfortunately. Which is sad because they were playing very uh, very good soccer in the beginning of the season. Uh, that one it has stretch. fallen apart, to say the least. They won, yeah, they won like six games. Granted, we were talking at the time they... You know, they beat teams at the time who were looking really weak. Colorado, RSL was pretty bad. The Union, um, they beat Portland before when they had a bad streak. Now, some of those teams have turned it around, and Orlando has just looked terrible. I would see this as, like, a chance for them to start rebuilding. They should start giving chances to the youth, trying new things out, because, like you said, there's really no chance for them to make the playoffs at this point. I don't want to get too deep in the rabbit hole here because we got plenty of teams to talk about, and I'm sure we can do an Orlando City obituary at the end of the season. But I want to point out that I, I've talked about this before that they've already reconstructed the roster once, right? They so they started as the expansion side this season. They came in, they revamped the entire roster. It's going to be tough to do that again. So I'm kind of with you. You got to see what you have in everybody because I mean, there's going to have to be some major turnover. It is very clear to me that this group of players cannot win in the they, league right now. The good news is they do have uh, a handful of players who you know can Yoshi Yotun will and should definitely be someone who sticks around. Um, Lamine Sane has been hurt way too often this year. Will probably be back. Be back. Um, Dom Dwyer, who I think has had 11 goals this year, will. We'll probably be back again. Uh, outside of that, like maybe Chris Muller on the wing. I, I mean, who else has been even halfway decent on that team? No one. It's really it's been tough. Even the goalkeeping situation hasn't been great. So it's gonna be it's gonna it might have to be another complete teardown. And Orlando's fans may not. We'll see how that goes because you know they've had some pretty good attendance and they've kind of stuck with the team through this beginning phase where okay, so now they're not the new shiny toy on the block. They tried to get a competitive team together this season. That didn't work. We'll see kind of how fan support goes. But uh, in terms of fan support, I guess it really can't get any worse than the 8,000 attendants announced at last night's fire game. Have you seen pictures? I, they're yeah, floating I was, around on the internet. I was watching the game. 8,000 is generous. Eight. Th- there may not have been 800 people there. That's what I was thinking. Divide that by 10. Um, <sighs> but, I, I mean, can you blame them? No, I don't blame anybody. It's a Thursday night. You're go- They're going up against a playoff team that nobody respects. A team that might not even be in the city that they currently are in in the future. No star a team with power. No, no star power. Bastion, as Schweinsteiger, as good as he is, nobody goes to the games to see him anymore. It's bad. It's really bad. And I, I can't blame anybody. They've entered the dreaded situation for any team. And that's that there are more po- they are more points behind now of that last playoff spot for Montreal. They're nine points back, and they have seven games remaining. So... When you enter that territory of less games remaining than the points you have to make up, it's never really a good situation to be in. They've played as many games or more than every team that they would be chasing, and I don't expect them to win any of their remaining games. i got to tell you the truth. Uh, Them drawing Columbus last night was like a massive result. And maybe they can beat Orlando City, but like that's that's pushing it, honestly. But so there there are good signs to the fire that we didn't see with Orlando, for example. We got... Georgi Mihailovic coming back. He looked uh, revitalized. You got Michael Delu back. Two ACL injuries who missed the entirety of the year. Um, who, let's be honest, were really important attacking players that they were missing. It's true. Uh, the injuries, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I watched them play yesterday, and I thought, well, I mean, it's better than it's been. And, I mean, thank goodness for that, right? Because I just... I get, but I guess my my real problem is that as good as those guys are, as I just don't think they're like MLS 
level uh, difference makers. I think they're I think they're really good squad players. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like they're really good to have in the team, but they need to be surrounded by better pieces. I I see what you're coming with that. I do think that they're well. Listen, what we're dealing with is they didn't really have anyone in those positions before. Katai was good. Um, Nikolic he's having a bit of a down year um, because he hasn't really had pieces like that. But those are guys who it seems like they all feed off each other more than anything. So when you got those guys working back, I, I mean, they think of it as a, a top six of Schreinsteiger, McCarty, Delu, Mihailovic, Katai, Nikolic. That's that's not bad. That's the kind of stuff that got the fire into third place last year. It's true. It should be. It definitely the results should definitely be better. So I would think maybe if everyone had been healthy this season, things may have been different. But I don't know. I mean, there are more problems than just that. That's the big it, issue. I I am convinced that this is going to be it for Valko Panovic. I don't see a way back for him. I'm honestly a little surprised he hasn't already been fired. Uh, not because I think he deserves it necessarily, but because I think that at this point everyone's going to become so impatient with the results, the lack of results, that he's an easy scapegoat. It's clear to me that I think that there is sort of a problem between him and some of the players, Alexander Katai specifically, and I think that the Fire have now invested in Katai relatively long term, I guess, like in terms of like versus keeping the manager around. So I, I would think that this is it for Velko Panovic. And I think the next coaching hire will be very important. And a new GM too would be nice because uh, Nelson Rodriguez at this point also needs to go because he's very clearly clueless. I can't help but think that he's probably a bigger issue than Panovic. Tougher to get rid of a guy like that than the coach. Um, but, I mean, again, they just got these guys back. The defense isn't anything to write home about. Uh, goalkeeper position really isn't very solid, so I still think there are pieces that could be worked on. Uh, and I would still say give him a chance because we did see last year when he had a, a good team put together, they did finish third place in a competitive East. Did you see the handball? I, I don't want to get too far into the details of the game, but you see the handball that Stephen Cleveland had at the end uh, at, during the game where he's coming out of the box and he very clearly saves what appears to be a shot outside of the box. I try not to think about those instances. <laughs> Sore memories. Some people, some people have said that this is just part of a giant conspiracy to keep the crew from being in position to host a possible MLS Cup final if it were to come to that. They think that the referees are like against Columbus now to the point where they they want to make sure, they want to keep them out of the playoffs or not out of the playoffs because they're going to make it but they want to keep uh, they want to keep Columbus from hosting as many playoff games as possible. Well, at this point, they'd have to make a huge huge de- uh, or take a huge deficit to get more than one home game. True, they would, but I I think the thought is that okay, so let's say let's say Seattle goes on another run and ends up like as the fifth seed in the West. Okay. There, there's a real possibility that Columbus would still end up having more points and then hosting MLS Cup against them. Similar to how Seattle's big runs in the last two seasons have led to them getting MLS Cup but then having to travel to Toronto. Yep. That's uh, So that's the, their big issue. I mean, that, and so I think that's what they're quote unquote afraid of now. I don't really think the league is like involved to that point, but I, I don't know. That's uh, yeah, kind of weird. That's, that's a big conspiracy. I don't think the league is like actively saying let's try to get certain uh certain teams to not do as well they definitely would root against them but i don't think that's the case speaking of toronto speaking of toronto they're next up the canadian championship winners since we last talked congratulations go out to them they'll be playing in the Concacaf champions league again next season 
24 points in 24 matches is not good. They're mm-hmm. nine points out now. They do have a couple of games in hand compared to some of the teams above them. I, I personally don't think it's going to happen for them, especially they couldn't beat San Jose. When you can't beat San Jose, you don't gain any like trust from me. Yeah. The fire beat San Jose. Well, so the thing is, we've been talking all year. Oh, they have time to turn it around. They have time to turn it around. They still somehow have time to turn it around. They're six points out. Or, uh, sorry. Nine. Nine points out uh, against Montreal. I believe they play at least one more time. Montreal isn't a team that I think is, you know, going super confident that they're going to hold on to that spot. I agree with that. So Toronto has a chance to turn this around. And they are actually playing Montreal tomorrow, by the way. There and we go. again on the 21st of so, October. Some really good derby matches coming up. The Orlando-Atlanta uh, tonight. Uh, El, El Trafico again tonight. And then the Canada derby. That's amazing. But It's, it's almost like it's rivalry week. Almost, some would say. <laughs> I, it, it's going to be so hard. And we talked about this uh, last time we saw each other, how DC has a real solid chance to make the playoffs is now above Toronto in the standings. Uh, With less games played, I might add. Two less games. So Toronto has a lot of work cut out for themselves. I wouldn't be surprised if this is also a bit of a, all right, let's rebuild, make sure everyone's healthy, and come back and get it next year. Well, let's not, let's not, cut, them, let's not cut them out just yet, I would say. I, I don't think it's personally going to happen, but I do think they're going to make it at least a little bit interesting. But it's going to depend, like you said. So they have that big matchup against Toronto uh, against Montreal tomorrow at home in Toronto. So it's, for me, that's got to be three, right? Yes. You got to get three there. Got to be a win. You got to win there. So now you got to go to Portland midweek. Probably not looking to win there. You probably hope to get a point in Portland midweek. Then you have to host LAFC. That's not easy. That's a good team. And you travel or not travel? You, you again host the LA Galaxy. Uh, you, you, they're probably going to need to beat the Galaxy. I'd say the Red Bulls going to the Red Bulls. That's that's going to be tough. They have to host New England, who have been dreadful lately. So that could change depending on how they go. They're hosting Vancouver. That's a win. I would think you would need to have if they want to make the playoffs. I mean, listen. The the thing here that we we're kind of glossing over I think is that this is basically the same Toronto team that came out and destroyed the league last year won the points total and basically walked to a final it's true they did like there's it should not be out of the realm of possibility that this team comes out and you know just starts winning it they have it in them that's the amazing thing, which is what's surprising for us, is that we still haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's true. No, I mean, here's, I guess my doubt comes when I go, so I see that calendar and I say it's possible. Then I go backwards and I start looking at the results. They traveled to San Jose. They got a point. They they couldn't beat NYFC, NYCFC at home. They couldn't beat Atlanta on the road. They get a draw. That's not easy, sure. But then, like, they had back-to-back victories over the fire. At, at I'm not... I said it when it happened. I'm going to say it again now. It doesn't impress me. It doesn't mean anything to me. It doesn't matter where it happened. It could have happened on the moon. It it means nothing. And so, before that, they lost to Orlando. Yeah, who haven't? Who can't win? That's the only game they've won since like May 6th or something like crazy like that. Yeah. So it, it's it's definitely time to be worried. I think well, it's been time to be worried for Toronto. I think it's time to start giving up hope if you're a Toronto fan. Unfortunately. 
it's going to be tough. It'll be very tough. So, But speaking now, the opposite situation, a team that maybe should have a lot of hope, it's DC United. So as good as any team right now, having won three straight, four of the last six, and only one defeat in that span, they've also played the least amount of games of any team in the league, which is, at this point, very important. Now, I've talked about... We've talked about them a lot kind of off the show, and I think we both agree that the talent's there to at least make a run at this. I don't know about get in, but I think they're going to make it interesting. Yeah, and I I mean, even even getting in, I think the talent is there. Just the teams above them are not that much better, if at all. So I, I see no reason to say DC is a playoff not a play, maybe not a playoff team, so but like a potential playoff team, like a contender. They don't have a, the easiest schedule, but they don't. They, they they have home games now. That's huge in MLS. MLS is one of the leagues that where home games have that make the biggest impact. My favorite trope is still alive. Emmett talks about home games. I mean, like it's yeah, true. We, it's it's true. true. Last year the Union won one game on the road. The reason why <laughs> this year they've won three. And that's considered a huge success. <laughs> it's like that. Like that should be kind of crazy to think about. It is. But it's uh, that's kind of the state of things. And DC played so many games away. Unlike LAFC in the beginning of the season, who played a lot of away games, LAFC won a lot of those. DC didn't, so they were sitting at the bottom of the table. Now they have those helm games. They're coming up. They're they're climbing, which puts it's them ahead tr- of Toronto now. It does. I, I will say uh, the games in hand thing is a double edged sword when I kind of think about it because so you've got. 12 games left does uh, DC United, right? That's that's usually a good thing when you think about the, when you need to make up points. I, I have to think about the inverse too, though. You've got 12 games in the same amount of time that some teams have as little as eight. That That is a difference, right? Because some teams, you'll be coming in, DC United, basically the rest of the way, just looking at their schedule quickly, is going to be playing week uh, weekday games the rest of the way with like one exception. And it's not exactly like this team has the greatest depth. On the surface, they have some good talent. Not. I think they're starter-level players. They maybe have one or two good guys coming off the bench in the midfield. Because um, yeah, they do have uh, Acosta and Steber and Assad and Ariola, And it doesn't seem like they all play every game. So you have at least one guy who can rotate in. But what about the other guys? So they are, there is going to be a fatigue factor. The other side of that is... You say, oh, they have two games in hand. That could be two wins. I think anyone out there would say you'd rather take points over games to be possibly played. It's true. Uh, you'd, rather, you'd obviously rather have the, uh, the, the security of actually having the points versus having to go and get them. Like, looking forward, you could say, oh, they have the potential to win this many points. Well, they but also could win at, none. It's, and then, I mean, just look at their upcoming. So, you know, Philadelphia at home you would think that they'd be able to take them, but then they have to also travel to the Red Bulls. They have to host Atlanta United. That's never going to be easy. You have to travel to NYCFC. You never know. So that it goes both ways. I think the, their next four are going to be difficult. I don't think, however, that they're going to be the games that decide this team's future. If they pull out two wins in the next four, I think that they're in a, they're in a fantastic position. They, just two points. I mean, two wins puts them up six, catches them up six points, which would put them tied with Montreal. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting race. And so that jumps us to 
the New England Revolution. We've talked about, I talked a little bit about DC United possibly running out of gas. Uh, it, not as many predicted such a good run for New England to start the season, but now it seems like they might be the ones that ran out of gas too early because they've lost five of the last six, and they're still only four points behind Montreal with two games in hand over the impact. So it's been a rough, really rough stretch for New England, but they're still right in the thick of it. Uh, if, if we look back, they were my uh, they were my dark horse team. They were. Uh, however, I think that with every dark horse, there's not dark horse so to, so to speak, but a team that goes is streaky. But we saw with Orlando that sixth streak of wins, it came back to bite them, and the streak is now on the complete other side, as far down as it could be. New England, the same thing. They streaked up early. They were as high as like you know fourth place for an extended period of time, and now it seems like it's coming back to bite them could be fatigue could mean it seems like they have a pretty set starting 11 uh so we'll see uh we'll we'll see what they'll do but i think they're in trouble at the, for the point of the season they had a good run in the beginning but i don't they don't look like a team that's going to be able to fight off uh the the struggles they've had i'm gonna bring some math into this you ready i'm sure you're excited oh this is great and I, it's want, a math. I can't wait so since MLS moved to having six playoff teams, the Eastern, which was very recently, by the way, so it's a small sample size to say the least. But since they've moved to six playoff teams in each conference, the, conf- the Eastern Conference six playoff team has an averaged 47 points. That means New England would need 19 points in their final 10 matches, averaging 1.9 points per match. And their season, their current average, they've averaged 1.2 points per match. So... That doesn't speak well to their chances on on that side of it. Now, that number is not exact. 47 is not some magical number that everyone always gets and gets in. You could could easily get 47 and be out. But this season, however, I think the inverse is going to be true. It looks to me, the way things are shaping up, if you think about the number 47, the Impact have eight games remaining, right? They would need 14 more points to get there. I think we can both agree that the Impact... Getting to 47 points is no lock whatsoever. No, I think that's that's just as hard as New England doing it, right? So it doesn't mean that New England has to get to 47 or they're they're screwed. I, I just I'm just saying that if they can get to that number, they should feel pretty good about it because that number is the average that gets you into the playoffs as the number six. Yeah, and I mean, well, if you look at any soccer team getting on average, two points from a match is fantastic. 1.9, 2, same idea. That means that you, on average, draw or win every match. I, The way I look at it, that any team say, oh, yeah, two, two points on average from every match, we'll take it. Um, so that's going to be extremely challenging. We are looking at an East this year that seems a bit more even. Even, you know, the bottom teams like Chicago and Orlando are – nine points out yeah that's not an insurmountable task we've seen we're seeing teams like new england uh, like dc turn the switch philadelphia turn the switch uh seattle turn the switch so it's doable it's just a matter of do we think they can pull it off and the answer for the the bottom teams of these is no yeah the, the, the rest of the east is just too strong yeah so now onto that impact, that pesky impact that we started the season with that wretched run of play and have now put themselves in a position to compete for a playoff spot. Uh, the bad news for them is that every team behind them, other than the fire, has played less matches than them, and they've only won two of their last six. Now, that does include three draws for a team that couldn't buy a draw in the middle of the season. 
That's all three of their draws, by the way. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. But the draws really aren't going to get it done at this point. I, I don't I don't think they have the quality to hang on. I it just I, I, I see their team and I think I don't see anything that really jumps off the page at me. I guess the real thing is that I just I guess the teams behind them don't really show me anything either. Right? The most exciting team behind them now is DC United, and it was a team that I was completely trashing this time three weeks ago. Montreal's been uh, you know, a staple of the playoffs the last few years. Uh, they are a team. They do have Ignacio Piatto. I think you're overlooking that. Um, and it seems like the, what they have going now is they have an attitude where they want to win. They're going out and they're they're not just going going out knowing they're going to get decimated. They go out. They're bring, they have a whole new attitude, and it seems like the players are responding to the coach. Uh, they just got a, a late last second win thanks to a. Uh, Great <laughs> volley by Daniel Lovitz. I had to bring it up with the right foot. Um, that was that. Honestly, I don't know how Columbus didn't win the game yesterday because at this point, I thought the Fire were actually incapable of doing anything in games other than losing. Now, it was it, it was turning into that kind of run where nothing they did would be enough. But hey, I the way I look at it for Montreal, like even getting draws is good enough because you just have to keep getting points. You have to keep making it difficult. So. Every draw you get just pulls it one more point away from the teams below them. Even if they win, that win is just less less important. So Montreal, it's all about just getting points when you can. Grinding out draws, playing it safe. Though, this is a team that seems to be able to wanting to win. They have they seem to have a good mentality, so... It, it, I mean, they're peaking at the right time, right? Uh, uh Peaking? I, I, I don't know that they're peaking. I would hope that they haven't peaked, because if they've peaked, then... They're, I think they might be in trouble. That that recent run... I mean, okay, so going to Real Salt Lake to draw, that's not great. Just I, I know they beat the fire, so that's all that really matters, but they did only just beat the fire. And then, again, same deal. They couldn't... They only managed to draw against DC at home. They only... They, they lost to Atlanta United at home. They got they went to Portland and got a draw. It's not a bad result, but... They actually looked the better team in that one. They beat San Jose. doesn't really mean much. And then a big loss to New York City. I know what you mean. It doesn't really seem like peaking, but this is a Montreal team that we were looking at as potentially one of the weaker in the East and no longer is. Uh, this is suddenly a Montreal team where you can't take them lightly. You have to look at them and say, oh man, you know, we, we have to prepare. We know they have, they're more than just Ignacio Piatti right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, they, they're going to need just a little bit more. I mean, look, they, they're they in the playoff spot. And I'd like to point out that while they are sixth, they're also tied for the team in fifth for points right now. They've also played two more games. But, I mean, hey, they're they're in position. They may not even finish sixth. They could easily finish fifth. It's and true. I, I, I'm, yeah. Listen, the teams that aren't like, you know, for teams that just eke their way into the playoffs in like a sixth place, we rarely see them do very well. We have seen Montreal in the past in a position like this make decent runs in the playoffs. Um, last season, it was the Red Bulls, but that's the Red Bulls. That's different, winning from the sixth spot. So it's possible to be a sixth-place team and make moves in the playoffs, but it can't help but think that who, whoever finishes sixth in the East this year isn't going to be challenging the likes of New York City or New York Red Bulls all that much. Uh, that's very possible, but we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. When we talk about your Philadelphia Union, who have very quietly 
very quietly sneaked their way into a playoff spot and of the Eastern teams in a playoff spot have actually played the least amount of games. So I've been searching and thinking, meditating on it, you know, basically thinking of every way possible to discredit the union because I, I can't possibly have you have anything nice, right? That would be too good. Yes. And, and then it finally dawned on me. I, I think I figured it out. Right, at least part it. of it. I, unlike so many of the teams that we've talked about so far, so far, I, I have to give them this. They at least beat the teams below them or the teams that I would think that they should be beating if they want to be in the playoffs, right? So, yes, they have an impressive victory over NYCFC, right? That's that's very good. But they also beat New England in New England. They don't lose to the Chicago Fire. They don't even really give the Fire much, much chance to win the games outside of that crazy shootout they had back in July. And, yes, they got beaten down by Portland, but they beat the Dynamo in Houston. Yes, they got beaten down by the Galaxy, but then they don't show any mercy against the Fire again. And yes, they get beaten by Atlanta United. And yes, they get beaten by LAFC. But then they don't lose to Vancouver. They're competitive against a Toronto. You see where I'm going with this? I, I get what you mean. Uh, though they did lose twice against Toronto. Uh, it should be noted that that L- the Atlanta game, they actually looked really good. That was where they had the two crazy red cards, which <laughs> um, definitely affected them in that fire game, which I think helped make it so close. And then uh, the Galaxy game as well which they were suspended for, which made them look a bit weaker. That Galaxy game was was tough. Uh, but then, they, yeah, they beat Houston on the road. That which was is, a giant rainstorm, right? That was the torrential downpour. Yeah. The, and the big thing, like I mentioned earlier, three wins on the road this year for the Union is massive. That's the difference between them being a playoff this team this year and not last year. Last year they had one. So they've got the one against Houston and New England, which I – Really don't think many people expected. Portland, they rested everybody so they could play the fire in the cup. Even their losses have not really been... You can make easy excuses for, I guess, so to speak. Uh, I do love a good excuse. And I think that's the big thing for them is that they can say, oh, well, yeah, but for those losses. Um, They are a team that was considered having one of the toughest remaining schedules. But at this point, I just look at who they have. They have... New England at home, I think that should be a win given how New England's playing and how the Union are playing. Because they are playing exciting. They are, they are exciting to watch right now. Uh, they play at D.C. They generally do pretty well in D.C., believe it or not. At Orlando, another team that's been weak. Home against Montreal, that's a big playoff game, one they should be doing well. Like, that's, f- what, four games in a row that you have to say those are potentially three points. We, and we don't see that very often in this league. We usually look and say, "Oh, they have to go to the, they have to go to New York." That we don't expect them to win that. It's true. They've they've done a pretty good job of getting results where they've needed to. And like I said, at, to me, that's the reason why I can believe the the Union will be in the playoffs when the time comes. And these other teams don't have my same faith because when I look at the schedule and I have, I look at what they've given me so far, I oftentimes have to look at okay, what teams should they be beating, and are they? The oftentimes the answer is no. So that's why I'm so unconvinced about a team like Montreal or a team like Toronto is like, I just, I see the fact that they can't like Toronto couldn't beat San Jose. And I think, I mean, do you even deserve it? No. Uh, If you can't do that, why should I believe you can beat anybody else? So congratulations, Emmett, your Philadelphia union have my vote for the playoffs. Hey, I've been, I've been waiting a long time to hear this and you know what? I, I think they deserve it. It's, It's not that we're not there yet. Uh, I'd be surprised if they could take on a Columbus or New York City on the road. But who knows? Uh, I think some, one of the things that's overlooked that might be their strongest feature is their depth. 
just about every position they have one or two guys who could slot in and be a serviceable backup. We'll see if that ends up actually being useful. We did see them kind of get pummeled by Portland and then lose 3-1 to L.A. with their backups in. So maybe it doesn't mean all that much, but I don't see that many teams that have had that many different starting rotations as the Union. Maybe Orlando seems to be (laughs) moving a lot of people, and it's not really a great team to be compared with. It's not. Uh, But so, like I said, I'm on board, buddy. Union going to the playoffs, and they're winning the U.S. Open Cup. That's the big one. That's the only one that I think Philadelphia fans really want. I need to see Mexican teams going to Chester, Pennsylvania and playing in front of 200 people on a cold February, March night. It's going to make them feel just at home, right at home in Chester. Right. So we move on. So I think it's safe to say that while we have a very big clump of teams competing for those last two spots, that the other four spots probably safe for these four teams we start with the columbus crew it's they're probably the closest they're probably way closer to that group of you know three teams below them in terms of quality but they'll, they'll probably get the points they need to stay in the playoffs i, I can't imagine columbus falling out now uh, remember that magic 47 also applies to the teams that are much closer to it right so they've got now columbus has 40 points i'm thinking columbus is going to get seven points out of their last eight so they'll be in and as weird as this situation is getting where they're approving stadiums for teams that haven't even come into existence yet in Austin and people are still not showing up to the games and they're still trying to sabotage the league is still trying to sabotage this team as much as possible through all that through the fact that their manager may not even be around for a move if it does happen because many people have pegged him for the new S men's national team job they're doing it they're still there and they've really only had one down year in like the past five between making it they made the uh the MLS Cup final and then they finished like last in the East the next year and then since then they've been consistent. Uh it's a crew team that again, it doesn't have the star power. So when they come to town, it's not a team where people are like, Ooh, let's go watch, you know, David Villa play or let's go watch Zlatan play or <laughs> let's go watch Joseph you're, Martinez. You're overlooking the ev- the evolving Giassi's artists. Who I do want to mention in their last game did have a goal from outside the box. It's I really kn- going to help his average. And, and, and that highlight reel I'm going to put together of all his goals where it's going to be tapping, 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 screamer, tapping, tapping, tapping. And it's it's going to, yeah, it's going to expend his, expand his average distance from like four to like eight after that 120 <laughs> yard goal. Uh, but again, this is another guy that Greg Borhalter has taken under his wing a forward player who's come out and just been great. I don't think that's something we would have expected to say from Zardes, to be honest. He's got a guy with a great first touch. And the amazing thing is, Berhalter took that to his advantage. He said, all right, he's got no touch. It's going to go four yards anyway. Let's just put him four yards from the goal. And that touch will have to go in the net. (laughs) And it's working. It's it's genius. It is working. So uh, I wouldn't, I certainly will say this. I would not want to have to try to face Columbus in a playoff game because they they're pretty good in one-off situations all things considered they, they have a squad that is very much built to beat you in just one game it doesn't really matter who their opponent is they can pretty much take anybody on it doesn't because their manager exactly it doesn't matter if they're home doesn't matter if they're away uh they have the tools to to grind out results they have a striker who will bag a who will poach a goal they have the guys who can give service and they have big strong center backs who can defend when they need it uh so That's this true. is it's a team that may not always be the most exciting to watch if you're a casual fan, but just the things they do, 
they do so well. Right. So congratulations to them. They'll be heading to the playoffs most likely. Uh, so the other three teams, who's going to win the East, do you think, between Atlanta, the Red Bulls, and NYCFC? Looking at it now as it stands. It, it seems like Atlanta's gone a little bit cold, but I think they're still the favorite. The Red Bulls have not really dropped off all that much without Marsh. Well, I think NYCFC has been looking a little bit colder um, with Vieira gone. I think that one's going to impact them more. I see them finishing third. The top two are going to be Atlanta and New York Red Bulls. I just The thing with Atlanta is they're just still so terrifying. I think when... <laughs> When you look at Red Bulls, like, yeah, they don't have the same name power, but they are just as dangerous. It, it's some sort of mental thing. I think any team could say, okay, we'll get a result against them. I mean, we just saw NYCFC play two men down and keep a draw and actually almost get a winner on a couple of instances last night. So Red Bulls, I think, stronger than NYCFC. I think they're up there with Atlanta, but Atlanta just has too much going for them. That's true. Uh, Atlanta really does have everything going for them and it's even crazier when you consider that they've now this squad has also even survived a little bit of controversy with the whole Ezekiel Barco thing happening they've kind of been able to put it in the rearview mirror he actually made his uh, return to the squad against the Columbus crew he, made, he played 16 minutes in that 3-1 win yeah I, I find it hard to disagree with you I do think things are going to hold the form I think Atlanta take the take the east i think they finish uh, i think they finish first and then the red bulls finish second below them and nycfc has to settle for third and i would say this nycfc uh, you talked about teams not being able to threaten the top tier here and i don't i don't think I, I, like right now if nycfc and new york and montreal played each other i can't imagine montreal going to new york and winning but i'm just saying i can't see many teams hot. it's true but let's say a team gets hot right let's say dc united does pull it off and makes it to sixth. I, I'm i not convinced that NYCFC are going to be able to, in a one-game playoff, where they, in the playoffs where they have struggled, It's you know they, they've been able to get over the hump and get in, but then when they've gotten in, they haven't been able to quite finish the job just yet. Would not shock me at all if, they were a, if a DC and I were able to go to Yankee Stadium and get a win in a one-off wildcard game, which is where they would be in if they finished third. I actually think that would shock me because I don't think it would. They haven't lost at home yet this season. They they have such uh they're so strong at home. I think that one off playoff game, it doesn't matter who they're playing, DC's best chance is tying and going to penalties, to be honest. That field is so small that they're really they have they have like the biggest home field advantage in the league with such a weird field. Pe- penalties they can maybe get knocked out. I still think it would kind of shock me if that happened. I'm uh, not going to lie to you. Part of me also wants them to finish third because the more games they have to play at Yankee Stadium, the better. No, my Be- God. Because just... I want the hey, – no, because I want the Yan- – the Yan- as vilifying as this probably makes me sound, I also want the Yankees to make the playoffs, and then I want to see what happens. Yeah. How on earth are they going to make that work? They've done it so far. I don't know. They've, they have. That's going to be uh, – I'm interested to see it. But I, I agree with you that it would – I guess I should – It wouldn't. Sh- I should say it would still shock me I guess, because NYCFC losing to D.C. United on any day should probably still shock me. But I have to say that if that game happened, it would I, I, I would be concerned. I would have a little bit of a – if I were an NYCFC fan, I would have a little bit of a knot in my stomach because that's not going to be an easy one. And now, that's if that happens, right? If Let's just say Montreal ends up backing their way in or New England ends up finding a way in, right? 
I, that's going to be a little bit different. That uh, We're going to be talking about a team that, like, oh, let's say Montreal gets in, but they lose two of their last three and get in anyway. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not going to be buying Montreal going in there then. That's that's just that, – I don't, I don't think that would happen. I uh, think yeah. it, would t- it would need to be a really hot team. The, the thing is, I think New York wants to play all of their games at home if they can. It's such an advantage. Um, yeah, it's possible a team comes in – like if a Toronto makes the playoffs and suddenly figures out, oh yeah, this is the team that won the MLS Cup. Let's do this again. I could see them giving them problems. Uh, the the biggest thing for NYCFC is playing on the road. I think they in the MLS playoffs they're going to go on the road, play uh, the Red Bulls and lose like four nothing or Atlanta or oh, anyone really, and that's gonna that's gonna be what knocks them out. Unfortunately for them. Well, fair enough. All right, you want to move on to the Western Conference. Yes, I Give, do. Talk about how the West was won. I think that's how the cliche goes. It's uh, yeah, we can go on. Well, how how was it won? <laughs> uh, well, I can safely assure you that yes, San Jose is at is twenty points behind Portland right now for spot number six, and they will not be making up twenty points in ten matches. So, congratulations, San Jose has been eliminated by my personal count. And you are the math guy on this. Uh on the show, so I will delegate to you, and I will believe you on that. Uh, yeah, honestly, San Jose, just plain spoiler, any teams they play, they should just take solace in that and rebuild. Not much else left to say about them. Three wins all season. It's not been good. So, uh, Same deal for Colorado. Not quite as bad as I – and I think they've actually done well this season to pull the team out of the gutter with some mid-season moves. I think they've done well to set themselves up then for next season to bring in a couple more additions, change the squad around, and try to get more results next season. Uh, That said... Believe it or not, they actually had more squad moves last year than Orlando, who had like 13. As a Colorado had like 14 or something. Yeah, it's a lot of turnover there. I think... I think they're doing well. I think they're building a nice space to build off of for the future, and I think they'll they'll do well next season, or at least better than this. But that said, 13-point gap, nine matches remaining, it's not going to happen for them either. Yeah, and I mean, it would be pretty tough to do too much worse than they're doing now. So next, the, the next, I guess we'll call it a problem here because I actually have Houston next, but that's based on the fact that they – uh, drew that's that they their match against Dallas last night didn't happen yet so they drew last night in the Texas Derby apparently the only team Houston could get any results against these days uh, I gotta say I was blown away to see how hard the middle of the season has been for them but now they're nine points out of a playoff spot or excuse me uh, eight points out of a playoff spot I just I with don't nine see matches them. left I pegged them a bit earlier as a team that had a good ability to make in they were kind of exciting. Um, they they have, I think, enough tools in every position. Uh, Minotas up top is a fine striker. Um, they have Elise and Kyoto, who I think are exciting wingers. Uh, Tomas Martinez. That front four is, you know, it's not bad. I, I that's what I said. Four. I was I was really surprised to see them how hard they've fallen. Before that draw against FC Dallas, they lost five in a row. The last win was against Minnesota on July 7th. It's not a great schedule for them either. They've got FC Dallas again, who they, you know, they play well, but they also really don't have, they don't really have too much of a track record of actually beating. They have to play Seattle twice, which right now it might as well be like playing Real Madrid because they can't seem to lose. The Red Bulls away and they're hosting Portland. Uh, it's not going to happen for them either. I think they are also done and dusted. 
They're, they should focus it all on the Open Cup now. And that was what I was going to say. Their season isn't technically over because they do have an Open Cup final to host, which I think gives them the edge over Philadelphia, despite that Philadelphia is playing well. They you know, put all their eggs in that basket, and that's not a bad basket to be hosting at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, but it's also a cup final. Anything can happen in a cup final. I don't, I don't put too much in a in a cup final being at home, honestly. I, it helps, absolutely, it helps. But I, I think in a final, just with how much craziness can happen in a final, I, I think I, I put more weight in it being a final than it being in Houston. I, I still think with how you know the the trope that I always put out there of playing on the road and how that is, I that's s- fair. I, I still think that that's going to be a that's it's a big it's gonna everything is going to be focused on that. That and the two and the other Dexas Derby. That's their big fair enough focus for the rest of the year. Oh my boys, my boys in Minnesota. How much I believed in you. Their early struggles are catching up with them now, as their recent dip in form has put them in a tough spot. They've got nine matches left and an eight-point gap. It's not great, though. I do believe Minnesota is good enough to get hot and put the pressure on the teams above them, you know, the Portland, the Galaxy, and Real Salt Lake. So I don't think Real Salt Lake and the Galaxy are all that much better than Minnesota, and they trail both of those teams by 9 and 8, respectively. And in case you're also wondering, more math for you, Emmett. I, I really went all out on the math for this one. The magic number, so to speak, for the Western teams has been 47.6, which we'll just round that up to 48. 19 points in nine matches, that's that's not great, unfortunately, for Minnesota. And I'm going to go with... Oh God! I'm gonna go with some non-math. Free- well, some, it's kind of math, but Minnesota is the worst team in the league on the road. One win, and maybe three draws, and they have five of the remaining games on the road. Uh, That's I had not considered that. That is very true. I'm sorry, Minnesota, but I don't see you making it. Uh, losing Christian Ramirez was big for them. I can't believe they traded him. That was. I think that was. That's going to come back to bite them. They do have some talent up top, but they're still they still strike me as too close of a remnant of the, their former NASL selves. It's true. I think they maybe one more season and they might be able to get there. Rebuilt enough to say, okay, this is our MLS side. And they'll have their new stadium. Yeah, I think that'll be big for them. Stadium, a couple because they already get players. great support. Yeah, they, they so, do. Yeah, going to Minnesota is going to be tough. Uh, seven of their nine opponents, by the way, also in playoff spots currently. If they get in, I, they're really going to have to earn it. Like, they'd really have to turn it around. And they do have to catch some teams that are playing very well or at least very talented. It's true. There's, there's one playoff team, I think, in the West that we can both look at pretty confidently right now and say maybe they don't belong. Uh, that, that some teams are going to try to knock out. Yeah, maybe, but we'll get to them. But uh, moving on up the table, then Seattle, they're not on fire. At this point, I think they're more like the sun. They're not fire. They're just a scorching hot chemical reaction that is quite literally unstoppable until it runs out of fuel. And it's, it is that time of the season. Seattle is tradition. best defense in the league, but also by far the fewest goals scored. Now they have a striker. And so it's that time of year. Yeah, this is a team who is currently sitting in seventh. And I think they're going to make the playoffs. They haven't lost in nine matches. I honestly think that not only are they going to make the playoffs, they're going to finish top three. Because they're currently only five points out of third place LAFC. 
five. It's se- isn't it? Se- is it not seven? They have thirty-five points, right? Thirty-five. 35 oh yeah, seven. Forty-two. Okay, what was that? Seven. Okay, there's seven points out. They're five points. They're three points out of fourth place. Yeah, I could see them getting fourth. I could. I absolutely hundred percent agree with you. They could get fourth. They could but very third, easily get a home a home game in the playoffs. Third, it's it could happen. It's. Nah, it's not gonna happen. A decent amount of these teams in the West have looked, other than Dallas, have looked pretty sketchy uh, in games where they probably should be winning. LAFC, LA Galaxy, even Portland. At every once in a while, you're just saying, "How did they not win that game?" Sounds Se- to me like we have a nickel bet on our hands. I got a nickel on Seattle finishing top three. There you go. Seattle will not finish top three. Seattle will absolutely make the playoffs, though. Which is amazing, considering how poorly they started. But just goes to show, you get hot at the right time. I just, I mean, they, they're, they're really starting to make a mockery of this league in the sense that, I mean, you know, why, why, why even play the first few months of the season? Yeah, they just said, well, it's almost like they're saying, yeah, we don't really care about that point. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to start trying now. And I remember, I think it was like in the, the fourth or fifth game after losing a bunch of games, uh, Jonathan Osorio of Toronto was like, yeah, we decided to start trying now. Well, Jonathan... Take a look at what Seattle's doing because it seems like they're actually trying. Now, wouldn't it be great if Toronto and Seattle <laughs> both went on big runs, made the playoffs, and then we had another? They have the talent to, to do it. The uh, the trilogy, the final, the the rubber match. I mean, I don't really want to see those two teams in a final, but it, I mean, it would be wild. It'd be absolutely hilarious. It would probably that... be the most fun one to watch so far. For sure, because both teams would now definitely have an uh, an attacking style. Uh, All right, so Portland, the aforementioned Cascadia neighbors. I do want to throw out there that we did, and it's it's a reasonable thing to do, but we did skip over Vancouver. I don't know if you want to go back. Oh wait, what? Did I skip? Oh no, I did skip Vancouver. I know. You know why? You know why it happened? It's because I I had in my notes I already had to flip Minnesota and uh, and Houston because they'd flipped in the table last night. So I was caught up in like, well, I should probably mention that the order has changed since I wrote this up. But you don't have uh, excuses to me. I know how you feel about Vancouver. <laughs> okay, so actually, I do have something to say about that because there's somebody out there that's probably thinking this guy's a real jerk. Why does he hate Vancouver so much? Why do I, you? I, here's the thing: they they're spectacularly average, and I guess I I have to admit that I guess part of it's my own bias because they're they are basically Minnesota. When you look at their stats, right, every every conceivable way these two teams are, you compare them, Vancouver's better. And yet, here I am talking about Minnesota and how much of a run I think they can go on, and yet I look at Vancouver and I think, eh, nothing to worry about here. I mean, outside of Alfonso Davis, I don't think they're exactly like a team where you're like, oh, so that one guy is really going to hurt you. Their big thing is that they just like, they get hit from a set piece. They got Kai Kamara as a big target forward. Kendall Waston had a brace the other day. Like, they could hit you out of nothing uh, and really not even deserve a win and get one. They're currently five points ahead of Minnesota. Um, but do we really think they're much better? I mean, I guess their defense is. Uh, I, I mean, I, look, just look at the numbers. Minnesota's conceded 50 goals. Vancouver's conceded 49. It's not even that different. These teams are actually pretty similar in that regard. Like the only difference is Minnesota is more exciting to watch, and even that's not necessarily true because Vancouver scored two more goals this season. It really just comes down to the fact that Minnesota hardly ever draws. You look at their the the, col- the win column; they're both even. They both won nine games, 
but Minnesota's lost 14 and drawn two, while Vancouver's only lost nine and drawn seven. Exactly. I, I've talked about draws at this point in the season. I don't, I don't really love the draws, but sometimes you just got to get a point. Sometimes you have to be able to settle, go to go on the road somewhere tough, get a point, or a team comes in and they've played better than you all game. Sometimes it's better to just get the point, and that point comes to help you. I mean, just look at the difference. They're five points ahead of Minnesota now, and they've both played the same amount of games. They play in the same conference. Uh, I guess I guess I am just biased against Vancouver because I just, I don't know, nothing about them excites me, and yet here I am. And it should be worth noting that they are three points from the top five. It's true. And a playoff spot. They are literally in the thick of it. They could literally be in fifth place within a win. Well, I mean, goal difference would keep them out, but they would be tied. Are you implying that that Vancouver isn't going to win their next match by, like, seven? Uh, Yeah, sadly. It's against San Jose. Are you sure? Yeah. They're actually, that's the other thing I wanted to mention when I when I was going to talk about Vancouver. You know, it's not even that bad of a situation. They get to play San Jose in back-to-back games. That's six points. It should be. I don't think if, it will be. <laughs> well, the first one's in San Jose, if that makes a difference for you. But, so, but okay. So we've now gotten to the point where they could potentially, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, I guess I should say, right? If San Jose, if Vancouver walks away with six points there, it wouldn't shock me. Frankly, it's what they should do. And this is the thing about the West is... There's not the huge disparity that there is in the East, where you look at the top teams and the bottom teams and be like, oh, man, they're not even really that close. You know, teams like Vancouver, who we consider pretty average, are actually maybe not all that average. They'd, pro- they'd, be, pretty, they'd be in a playoff spot in the East. Okay. Yeah. 34 so points would put them in fifth place. You give them, you give, so let's say they have 34 points right now. You give them six points from, those two San, from the two San Jose games. That puts them at 27 matches played. And we talk, I talked about my magic number, 48. Eight points in seven matches? It's very doable. Extremely doable. Now they have to face Seattle. That's that's probably not going to happen, even in Vancouver. That's probably not going to happen for them. They'll have to host FC Dallas. That's not going to be easy. They have to travel to the Galaxy. That's not easy. They have to play Toronto in Toronto at Derby, Canada. Not easy. They have to host Sporting Kansas City. Very not easy. They have to go to LAFC. That's extremely difficult. And they have to host Portland. So very tough schedule after that. And we're back. And if you're wondering, I hope you're enjoying, by the way. I, I, if you're wondering what I mean by we're back, well, in the middle of our recording earlier, Emmett's computer decided that it was no longer going to cooperate and basically tried to sabotage the American Soccer Show. But we showed it. it hold on, hold on. It died. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> it, it couldn't handle it, how great this show I was going to be really upset. I think this has been a very interesting I cu- discussion. I, I got out my defibula- the defibrillator. <laughs> I zapped it. And, you know, and then I had to wait for its battery to die because it was still frozen. <sighs> and now it's back. And it's working did better it, Did ever. it actually die? Did you, did you not turn it off? I, I, the battery took like four hours to die. And let me tell you, if I'm using the computer... It doesn't last for a solid twenty minutes before the battery dies. So that was like frustrating. the the uh, The irony here is that we may have or may not have actually solved them. It's battery issues. The uh, and the other side is it is now eight hours after we've started recording. This is true. So we live in a completely different world than we did when we started this podcast. We now know for sure Orlando's never going to win again. On the East Coast, it is now. A different day. It's true. It is actually a completely different day for you, Emmett. Congratulations. It will be a different day for me in about 12 this minutes. This is the first ever recording on the American Soccer Show that has spanned two days. This is, it's, a, it's a really big day for us. I'm, I mean, we're over a thousand listens. Now our podcasts are spanning two days. 
it's great it's great stuff i mean this is the kind of stuff people listen for it's true i mean a lot has a lot has changed right joseph martinez is now the leading scorer in a single season all time at mls neither la team they still can't beat each other it's a 1-1 draw in la what a weird 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 rivalry that has to be oh no the, wait, hang on a second didn't the galaxy win the first game the LA Galaxy did win the first game. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, wait a minute. Something's not adding up here. Yeah, but eh, it was basically a draw. I mean, <laughs> don't tell that to the LAFC fans who probably would like to forget that game. It seems like every game is pretty forgettable for both fans. Anyway, uh, we're picking up where we left off with Portland. That is true. After we almost skipped Vancouver, thankfully. We- then we actually skipped Portland because my computer... A bunch of technological difficulties. We'll skip over those. Yeah. So, yeah, Portland. Uh, they were on their own hot run until recently, and now they've lost three straight. They will not have it easy. I, I think, personally, this the quality of this team is good enough to make it to the playoffs. I agree, though. So, we saw beginning of the season some struggles with Portland. And then, oddly enough, well, not oddly enough, they had a huge, huge upswing. Uh, didn't lose a single game since, like, April. And then, oddly enough, they've lost their last three games, which is hugely disconcerting for them. Um, still in six in a playoff spot, but three losses in a row is not a good sign for a team that's hoping to make, you know, waves in the playoffs. Yeah, and so now they sit a point behind the fifth-place Galaxy thanks to their draw today. I think they have enough talent. My worry for them, I guess, would be their biggest issue is they that one of the teams above them getting hot because if the galaxy do take off because a draw against lafc is pretty good result all things considered if that doesn't if that doesn't stop right if the galaxy continue to get points it, it i think it's going to be very tough for them because seattle i think is guaranteed to make the playoffs now they can't be stopped yeah and that's the thing is portland's next game is against seattle uh, that's a bad home yeah that's a huge one. Um, so they have a lot of work to do, uh, especially considering their poor dip in form. Uh, and they're at serious risk, given that they're only three points ahead of Vancouver of getting knocked out of the playoffs. They have uh, Portland has the least amount of games played in the West so far. So they do have that going for them, some games in hand. They have played, again, less games than everyone around them. So they'll have that in their favor. It, it, like I said, it goes both ways. You have more games to play than everyone else, more points to be had, but also more strain on you than your opponents going forward. So I, like I said, the schedule's tough, but I, I think they're going to be able to pull it off. So that brings yeah, us... Yeah, they, oh. they have the talent. <laughs> All right. That's it. Right. They have the talent. They have the talent. Well, I'm glad we're, we got a consensus look on that. Uh, we move on then to the aforementioned Galaxy. Uh, they're all they're sitting on 38 points now, like I said. They've played now. They've actually played four more games than Portland now because of this uh, game that just happened. And that that's pretty big. That's a lot of games to have played over a team that is only one point below you. So... They haven't been as convincing lately. It feels like every time the Galaxy are going to get going, it looks like they finally figured it out, what their best personnel group is, what their best formation is. It just it doesn't work. It stops working after three or four games, and then they go back to the drawing board, and it, it's this weird cycle. It's keeping them in the playoff hunt, but it's not very sustainable. Eventually, there's only so many changes you can make before it stops working, right? Yeah, and I think there's, a, there's not a lot of confidence in Siggy Schmidt uh, from certain people in the fan base, uh, the, the 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 fact that they're 
just two game two points ahead right now, or one point ahead with three games in hand. Was that what uh, four games in four hand. games name? Yeah, that's troubling because Portland only needs one game. I know Portland has some tough games coming up, uh, including one against the Galaxy. So there's there's a lot of a lot of chances for either team really to blow things here, and it's what makes the West so interesting at this point of the season. Is a real like these teams are within striking distance, three or four teams within striking distance of a playoff spot. Uh of a lot of playoff spots. We mentioned that even like a team like Vancouver is close to finishing as close as third. Um, so it's not even, so the galaxy, if you're any of these teams, you just need to take care of business. That's true. Because you're in you control have so of your many, destiny. There's so many other teams around you that could also start dropping. You just can't be that one who starts tail starts nose diving because someone's going to do it. And right now the galaxy is probably one of the more susceptible teams to losing these tough games they've only won now one in their last six and that's not going to get it done they've made I, I i i will say this i think they have enough good players you know Zlatan, uh somewhat the descent i think like the DeSantos brothers together make like one good player mostly just jonah though geo on the other hand not very <laughs> not very good i have seen but they don't need him uh, there was a joke about Zlatan not wanting to play on turf right the the talk that he's he's not going to play on turf until the playoffs and someone goes you know people keep making fun of Zlatan for not wanting to play on turf but Gio Dos Santos doesn't even play on grass or turf well I mean yeah he doesn't but he doesn't play Zlatan doesn't want to play he can't the whole thing with his knee I I, I don't I, I kind of respect it having to, like coming to America and having to play on turf is kind of crazy considering where you've had to play in Europe uh, but the Galaxy have I would say a pretty reasonable next four games going to real salt lake then to toronto hosting seattle and hosting vancouver that first one go, big. going to real salt lake is not easy going to toronto is not easy then again other than playing san jose do you have any really easy games maybe or even even orlando was a 2-1 victory for atlanta this time or uh, i was gonna say colorado i wouldn't say it's easy but it's i mean it's much preferable than if you host a Minnesota or you host a Colorado or you host Orlando, the fire. I think you'd say, "Oh, the host of fire." Yeah, you'd Stop say, "Yeah, it's going to the fire." But even the, the point is the disparity isn't that ridiculous. Where you can just walk over them. It's not, this, it's not, this isn't Man City against against Huddersfield here. <laughs> this is you mean Chelsea over Huddersfield? Any team over Huddersfield. There there isn't that big of a gap. But the point is that these are our winnable games for the Galaxy. You're not saying, okay, go into you know, Atlanta on turf, no Zlatan, hope to get a draw. That's not the case. These are four winnable games. And if, to be honest, if you're a playoff team, every game should be a winnable game. It should be. And it's that, it's that talk I gave about Philadelphia. The reason I believe in them is because they win the games that I think that they need to be winning. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for the uh, the galaxy because I certainly think they have the talent to win it. They should have enough to get there. Their defense is not great. I, that's never helpful. I mean, they've what have they've given up? I know they've given up over forty goals this season. Yeah, forty eight goals allowed, forty nine scored. It's a very tough pace to keep up because they've scored more than every single team in the Western Conference except for LAFC. But they've also conceded more than every single team in the conference except for Vancouver and Minnesota. Yeah, and that's the big troublesome is is their defenses. When you do go up against a good team, a team that's solid defensively, like a sport in Kansas City or a Portland or a Seattle, 
can you score enough goals against a defense like that while not conceding with a leaky defense? But speaking of goal difference, Real Salt Lake above them. Real Salt Lake it, is the weirdest team I've ever seen. Right? I, minus eight goal difference, and yet they have more points than the Galaxy. Or not more points. They have the same amount of points as the Galaxy with one less game played. So their their goals against is tied with San Jose and only better than the Galaxy, Vancouver, and Minnesota. So that puts them as tied in fourth worst in the in the West. Their 36 goals scored is better than Seattle, Colorado, San Jose. Now, Seattle is one thing because Seattle also only has conceded less than 30 goals. So Seattle's defense is great. I feel like comparing the offenses isn't... It's like apples to oranges here. So they're really only better than Colorado and San Jose, and that's not saying much. It's not saying this anything. Team, this is a team that concedes goals but doesn't score them and yet is in fourth place in the West, and we've been talking for a while how they're in the playoff spot. And I keep saying I don't. they can't make it. They're not going to make I don't see them making it. Somehow they're still right in the middle of it. They're going to be in the Rocky Mountain Cup tomorrow against Colorado. That's a big one for them. They have the Galaxy like we talked about. They're going to host Minnesota, a team that can't seem to win away from Minnesota. They have to go to Atlanta. That's oh, I pray for them on that one. They have to go to Sporting KC. That's not going to be easy. They have to host Portland. That's not easy. They have to uh, host New England. Uh, depending on where New England is at that point, we'll see. And then they'll have to go to Portland. That's tough, to say the least. I, <laughs> I, I'm i sticking to my guns, too. I don't think they're making it. But, I, you know, I, at one point, right, like what do they have to do? Some people might be yelling at us. What would they have to do to, uh, to make me believe that they can do this? They have to literally be the last game has to end and they have to be in a playoff spot. That's fair. Until that happens, I'm not going to believe it. Or until they clinch the spot. Uh, and I think when we look at it, that, Maybe this is kind of my way of of kind of looking at it and saying, okay, how deserving of you. If you look at every game and say, oh, that's tough. Oh, that one's tough. That one's tough. That one's tough. Every game is tough. You look around the poker table. I said this eight hours ago when we started, and you can't <laughs> figure out who the, you can't figure out who the chump is. It turns out you, you're the chump. Every single one of these games, it looks like they're the weakest team there, except for maybe, you know, when they're hosting Minnesota. Okay, they should probably win that. If they're hosting New England, yeah, they should probably win that. But the, the big thing is that they're in the mountains, really. It's a huge home field advantage. And they're a team that does really well at home and terrible on the road. Uh, they're going to have to keep that up. And they have a you know, decent amount of home games. Nothing, nothing crazy. About half their games are at home. I, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm with you. Yeah. So. Until they qualify, I'm not sold. We're going to have angry Real Salt Lake fans tweeting at us. We're going to have Nate Smith tweeting at us, telling us that we've... We failed miserably. And Nate Smith's a real person, by the way, before anybody thinks I, I'm just like... I won't believe any Real Salt Lake fans watch this show until <laughs> uh, they clinch a spot in my DMs, sending me a message. <laughs> Same thing with them making the playoffs. Okay, that's fair. I, please send us a message. I would love to see that. Uh, we move on then to the top three teams. Similar to the other side, there is kind of a, like an... Not, I, I, I'm going to say a quality ocean, not necessarily the points ocean. That exists on the other side, right? But definitely a quality ocean exists on this side because the difference between Sporting KC and Real Salt Lake is disgusting to me. The sport, the well, the, the sad thing is that sport, the sport, the the difference between any of these teams in the playoffs and Real Salt Lake is disgusting to me. I I, I know that's kind of you know 
I guess a little mean, but uh, uh, look, look in third, LAFC. Um, well, oh, sorry. LAFC's moved Sporting up. Kansas City. Like I said, the world's it's a completely different world than we lived in eight hours ago. LAFC are now second. So, so Sporting draw. is now in third. Yeah, Sporting is a much better team. The the thing is that the beginning of the season they were dominant. We were putting up putting them up there with Atlanta as some of the, one of the best teams in the league. Now they've they've fallen a decent amount. I'm not so sure. They've had a couple good results, three wins in a row. Um, I still think they're this one of the two best teams in the West, though. I and I wholly expect them to get a bye. I I, I said myself when I was thinking I, I I have them still winning the West. I think they will find a way out of that. I think they're finding their way out of that slump now. They're going to reget their mojo. They're getting their players back, and I think they're going to make a good run to end the season, and they'll end up on top of the West. And then they have one game I think we'd considered very difficult in September. They have five games. They host Orlando. They host Real Salt Lake. They go to Philadelphia, and they go to San Jose. Those are four games that you should chalk up as a win already, right? Right. Even a team like Philadelphia, who's playing well, Sporting Kansas City is difficult no matter where they play. And their one difficult game is at Seattle, which even then I don't think you chalk that up as an L right away because of the talent sport. And that speaks so much to Sporting Kansas City. That that's not even chalked up as an L yet. It's true. That will be a very good test for Seattle if they are still unbeaten at that point. Their final two games as well against FC Dallas away and then home to LAFC. Those are not easy games either. But that that's going to be Sporting Kansas City perhaps having the the fate of the West in their hands there. That's a very good chance. Yeah, those last those last two games could very well be uh, you know a fate of getting a getting a buy or not having to play a Seattle or Portland in the first round, which nobody would want to do. That's true. Definitely no. You don't want to play Seattle right now. I compared them to the Sun earlier. Yeah, don't want to face the Sun. You will never win. Or I mean, if if by chance Real Salt Lake makes the playoffs, I see him making a five or six. That's like the one team you'd be okay with playing. I. The thing with the West is with the East. Those last two teams, I think you know you host them. You could take that and say, okay, well, it's probably going to be a win. In the West. Being a home team, I don't think is going to make that big of a difference, because there really isn't that big gulf of quality outside of. Okay, let's just assume Real Salt Lake gets knocked out and Seattle makes it in our dream scenario. Seattle, Portland, Galaxy, LAFC. I don't think you want to play any of those teams, Definitely. even at home. Yeah, that's a tough one for sure. And who would have thought two years ago we'd be saying, "Yeah, I probably want the Galaxy." Yeah, well, I mean, last year maybe, but well, no, last year they were uh, like dead last. I think I would have taken the galaxy then. Taking the galaxy then, but yeah, any other point in history that would be the last thing you'd be saying. Which is, I mean, at this point, yeah, that is the probably the team that you'd want to play. And even then, Zlatan, Alessandrini, Kamara, you don't know where a goal's going to come from. You definitely don't want. I, that's the problem, right? You would not want to go against Zlatan in a playoff game. I guess if you were Portland or Seattle, hopefully you'd be playing at home and you could play on turf. <laughs> no, he said he's going to play in the playoffs on turf. Good for him. That's hopefully he doesn't doesn't injure his knee anymore. I know that can be tough. I'm given to understand based on a very cursory Google search and some comments I read on Reddit, which of course are the most reliable places on earth, that apparently there is actually no correlation between the amount of ACL or knee injuries and playing on turf. 
Which is interesting because in my life, I've always assumed that it was a fact that like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Turf injures people more. I'm given to understand that's not true. I I could believe that off just, you know, sort of the, a random person telling me it or you telling me it. However, I do believe that after you've got a knee injury, turf could probably be the worst place you could be. I do think that there's probably... That- if you're going to re-aggravate it, it's a place like turf where your knee's already weaker and you already could get it stuck in just a freak accident. It's fair enough. Um, I, I've played with people who've had knee problems uh, and it's you. And a lot of times it just makes it more sore. It's the pounding, the pounding. Cause it's, it's almost like playing on cement in a certain way. The, yeah. the grinding it puts on your joints. So I, w- I would think it's that more than anything else. There is a reason why they have to roll grass on top of turf when the international teams come. In case you've ever wondered why. It is because the players I mean, hate it. There, there's other reasons. It's just it's unnatural. I mean, <laughs> the ball the ball rolls differently. There's I believe so many by reasons, definition, artificial turf is unnatural. <laughs> I mean, I've after my time living in Chicago, I've seen it growing out of people's front yards. So All right, you tell me unnatural there. All right. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> We're going to move on. No one ever does. <laughs> uh, so I had I had the f- doubleheader here on ESPN listed for national TV, but that is now passed. So we move on to Sunday's FS1 doubleheader. Great place, that Fox Sports. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. The best. On FS1. It's the New York Red Bulls taking on D.C. United. And at 9.30, it's Portland versus Seattle, Cascadia Cup. That's a big one. Yeah, all right. Good good talk. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you, you cut out on me. Oh. Th- those, are, those are, I mean, okay. So one of those games is obviously, on face value, a tremendous game, the Cascadia Cup. Played on turf, by the way. <laughs> but I think that New York-DC game is going to be a hot affair because um, historically, the of the teams in like kind of the Northeast region, those two have the most history. So I know, okay, yeah, now there are teams that are much closer, the Red Bulls, NYCFC, Philadelphia Union. But that's a hot rivalry. And the way DC is playing and aiming to make a playoffs, a playoff spot, that, that could be just as good a game. Yeah, could be. Uh, my game... You never know. My game of the week is, though, the Cascadia Cup between Portland and Seattle. I think that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. Hopefully you don't have to go to work. <laughs> the next day yeah because that uh that 9 30 kick's gonna be rough otherwise that is that is the one thing i do not miss um being on the east coast is on the west coast you you don't have to watch any games any sport after 10 o'clock it's great that is pretty great here i mean i was like i kind of thought oh no at 10 o'clock i'd want to watch games nah but yeah, I, I don't really want to be watching games at 11 p.m I guess that's just old person in me talking. <laughs> ah, no, I can I can understand that to a certain degree. So yeah, that basically is all we have for this one. Uh, the one thing I did want to say was that at some point, when MLS winds down, we'll head back to Europe. And also, we've got some uh, men's national team coming up here. I believe in two weeks. Oh, the international break! That is the bane of my existence. Yeah, let me. F- I'll figure that out. Hang on a second. But yeah, um, there is an international break coming up in a couple weeks. Um, if that's your sort of thing, that's great. Personally, 
I uh, I like I said, the bane of my existence. I, I I cannot stand that period of time because if you're watching soccer, it's not just a one week break because it's like oh, it's you think oh, you just have to wait one you have to wait a week because it's international games, which are usually friendlies, which are usually not really worth watching. But it's actually two weeks because you miss you watch the weekend. You have the whole next week of no games, and then a whole another week of two games until the another weekend. Um, hopefully, at this point, you know if you're an American soccer fan, you could be watching some nice young talents come up. But uh, it, it always drags me down. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being unfair to it. I I mean I like international games, but it kind of depends. Like these periods now, where there's Frankly, there's literally nothing on the line here. I can't even say they're preparing for the qualifiers. We're not preparing for the Gold Cup yet. We don't have a manager, so it's really kind of pointless. But yeah, it's September 7th, by the way. September 7th against Brazil, and then September 11th against Mexico. The Brazil game happening at MetLife Stadium in your backyard. And Mexico game at LP Field, which I believe is in Nashville. Nashville, yeah, Nissan Stadium in Nashville. So If you're interested in my purse, in my, you know... If you're listening, you're listening in my, at this point, an hour 15 in, in my personal life, I will probably be on a plane at that point, unfortunately. But those, honestly, probably two of the better games you could hope for as an American soccer fan. The U.S. have for sure lined up a pretty good slate of friendlies here. Brazil, Mexico, Colombia, and England, and Italy all coming, uh, well, not all coming to the U.S., I should say. Colombia's coming to the U.S., the U.S. will be traveling to England and Italy. But Brazil's coming. coming. To your, coming to a TV near you. Coming to a TV near you, exactly. Hopefully, with uh, John Strong telling you all about how great this U.S. cycle is going to be, because it's it's almost time, folks. It's almost we're basically in a new cycle now, so that's the good news. I I, I we're basically past the point of nobody ever listens past an hour according to the metrics, but we're past the point of anyone caring. So I wanted to ask you how I because I know how I feel about Juan Carlos Osorio. How would you feel if that rumor came true? Now, Taylor Twelman has come out and said that, that there are no negotiations going on, but I'm curious as to where you would stand if Juan Carlos Osorio became the next U.S. men's national team manager. I, I, I don't think he's the future of the U.S. men's national team. I think he could probably set the team up well, get some good results in tough games, but f- the, the biggest thing right now would be having a coach who's smart tactically and is good at developing the youth, and that's why I think someone like Greg Berhalter or Peter Vermees is the guy that the U.S. needs. I know you weren't asking me about those two. Well, no, that's fair. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think Osorio. If if this was like the year before, like when speaking specifically about the time Arena took over, like a year before the World Cup, that might have been a time for Osorio. I I do think he's a guy who can get results, but they don't need results right now. There, there, there's nothing like that. They need a guy who's going to treat the youth well, develop the players, and give an identity to the team. And I don't think that's Osorio. So, you know, I wouldn't say, like, oh, I'm so disappointed in it, but that is what I'd like to see. Interesting. Well, I I wouldn't mind it. Um, it, was kind of, it would be one of the more unspectacular hires that they could make, but I started going down the list, and I said, honestly, who's good, who are they going to get that's going to blow me away? Nobody. Burhalter's a nice name. Vermees is a nice name. Tata Martino would be an interesting kind of sexy name, but that's probably not going to happen. You could, like, there's like, oh, everyone's like, oh, why don't we just go after Guardiola? Like, yeah, all right. Well, if they sign Guardiola, I'll be the first one at his press conference because no matter where it is, they could hold it on the moon and I'll be there. Yeah, no, I I agree. Martino has already said he doesn't want to do international management. We don't, we're not going to see Pep unless he's doing 
something crazy like Argentina or Spain. Could get Zidane. <laughs> not going to get Zidane. I do think Klinsman is one of the better coaches we've had in recent memory. Antonio Conte is available. Uh, I, we're not going to get him either. It's not that high profile of a place. It is unfortunately. not. Unfortunately, it is not. Although I will say this. It does have a little bit of appeal if I don't know if actual people are in on this. Like if actual people feel this way about certain things, but like it works in the video games all the time. You're like, oh yeah, I want to bring Celtic to glory again. It's like it's that kind of deal, right? So it's like, oh, I want to be the guy that gets known for bringing the U.S. into U.S. uh, into international prominence. And honestly, in the next ten years, there's probably going to be someone who does that, someone who brings the U.S. into a World Cup quarterfinal. Because the talent is there. <coughs> Bruce Arena. Yeah. It's it's gonna be Bruce Arena, guys. <laughs> He's gonna come back for a third time. <laughs> we've just been we've been fooling you all. We have the inside scoop. If but, I ever see Bruce Arena in a US men's national team polo again, I swear. It would be the greatest troll of all time. I swear. I wouldn't even be mad. I wouldn't even be mad. I'd be furious. Don't even I, I have another national team I can just root for exclusively. Don't do that. Yeah, that's that's but that's not fair. You can just switch. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, anyway, I think we I think we've exacerbated the point here. Uh, we're yeah. I I think we're about there. We, I just wanted to make sure that it was also uh the Saturday in Central Time. It's true. Anyway, that's all the time we have left on the American Soccer Show. This was our beginning or beginning of the end of the season. Uh, wrap-ups on what we think the playoffs are going to look like. Don't forget to look back on our past shows. Talk about World Cup, MLS, anything. Uh, From Emmett McConnell here in Pennsylvania to Eric Alcantar out in Indiana, signing off.